All right, guys. So we are back, the Roostrong <laughs> Podcast, but I'm in a, a very much well put together podcast station. I'm with my Mind Pump guys. I just finished the Mind Pump podcast. What episode is that going to be? You guys know? Oh, uh, I don't know, Doug. What is Doug that? I don't know the number. 1487. Oh, there you go. Gotcha. 1437. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. We've done a couple. Yeah. So we've been talking. Uh, about a bunch of shit. So what we're going to do is I'm going to go ahead and let these guys take the floor a little bit, introduce themselves, then we'll talk a little bit more about how Mind Pump got started and then what we're doing here today. Uh, we'll go ahead and start. Yeah, yeah. so uh, no, my name is Adam Schaefer. I'm one of the podcast hosts. We've been doing this now together for about six years. Uh, before this, uh, we were all trainers for almost two decades. So yeah. that's kind of what got us started and it was a little bit of scratching our own itch. We we looked at our, you know, each other and talked about uh, our own evolution of training clients. Mm-hmm. And when we looked at the podcasting space, there wasn't anybody that we felt was really speaking to our clientele. Um, mm-hmm. there was a lot of uh, you know, specialty groups, you know, powerlifters talking to powerlifters, bodybuilders talking to bodybuilders. But when we looked at our our, you know, client folders over two decades, you, you saw just general people that were trying to be healthy and get in shape and, uh, and didn't feel like anybody was communicating very well to them. Mm-hmm. And we saw an opportunity to have this open dialogue and conversation, uh, very similar to the ones that we were having with clients for two decades, yeah. uh, and introduce that to the masses. We by, had no experience in media uh, we're very nervous. A lot of weed and alcohol was consumed at <laughs> yes. the beginning nice. to, get, to get through all the nerves. Probably the first it, it helped a lot. 150 yeah. episodes. Yeah, or so. yeah. yeah. Is that yeah. the reason why y'all put whiskey? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Got so it. there was a, there was a lot of that going on when we first started because uh, you know we were probably really nervous. We we probably swore a lot more than what we do today. Yeah. Um, but that was what started it. And uh, we had other jobs and things going on, and just said, well, let's let's put it out there. Mm-hmm. And let's see uh, if it resonates sure. w- with an audience uh, like what we thought was out there, and it did. It uh, and it, it grew organically. We didn't uh, we didn't spend any money on advertising or marketing the podcast for the first two and a half years. It yeah. just it grew by word of mouth and people sharing it. And then uh, since then, we've built actually uh, two other companies, and mm-hmm. we've got a whole staff here. And now we're all over the place. And uh, love yeah. this man. I just we get to interview guys like you all the time. So. Uh, really, really enjoy doing what we do, man. Nice, man. Yeah, yeah. I could see it. You guys kind of put all of your efforts into this, and this is awesome to see. I mean, whole production. Mm-hmm. I know you guys can't see it, but if you look around, it's like a whole thing set up. Mm-hmm. So it's awesome to see that. Sal. Yeah. What's going on, man? <laughs> How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good. So give some of my listeners, a lot of them are MMA-based, uh, you know, combat sport-based. Mm-hmm. Give them a little rundown. Talk about your little jiu-jitsu endeavors oh okay so i did i, I trained in jiu-jitsu for about six years i got up to purple belt um i had a lot of fun doing it my dad uh is an immigrant from uh, italy and he competed in judo um as a kid actually did pretty well um in, in, in national tournaments there um and had to quit because he, he was very poor he was a poor sicilian didn't have much money had to quit and work and then mm-hmm. he came to this country and as a kid he was always trying to get me to do judo and i did a little bit of judo i uh i liked it um i loved lifting weights more um i just loved the training on my own and that kind of stuff as an adult in my 20s i walked into a brazilian jiu-jitsu school remember and i think well, when did the first ufc happen was that 1994 was it something like oh, that man. that's I, a good guess yeah right. i think it was it, it was like 94 been. and i remember you know sitting i was with my dad and we're watching tv together so 94 i'm uh 14 maybe and we're watching TV and a commercial comes on, Ultimate Fighting Championship. You know, mm-hmm. the, the dude's like, you know, oh, yeah, the, yeah. it's like, you know, which martial art is the best? You know, yeah. Savat versus kickboxing versus Taekwondo, <laughs> whatever. And so my dad's like, oh, he goes, uh, the, the, the judo or the jiu-jitsu guy is going to win for sure. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no way. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, no way, dude. I said, the Taekwondo guy, the, the kicks and the flying spinning stuff, the kung fu guy is going to crush him. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 no. The judo or the jiu-jitsu guy is totally going to win. So anyway, we watched mm-hmm. it. And, you know, that's Hoist Gracie came out and whooped everyone's ass. And so years later in my 20s, jiu-jitsu school opened up here in San Jose. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to go give this a shot. I had maybe two and a half years of judo experience as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I'd been lifting weights since I was 14. I'm a, I'm a pretty bulked out, 215, 220-pound dude. And I went in there thinking, all right, let's see what this is all yeah. about. And the instructor, Purple Belt, Noman, Noman Rana, if you're listening, good friend of mine, mm-hmm. 
skinny Indian dude, probably 165 pound, flexible, not strong at all. So he won't get offended to that because I tell him that all the time. <laughs> and I go in there and um, and I, I, I say, hey, I'd like to try a class. Mm-hmm. Do you have any experience? I said, yeah, I have a little bit of a judo experience, but I'd like to try this out. And I was respectful because I came again from the judo Japanese background, so sure. I wasn't an asshole. But he said, why don't you spar against me because you're a big guy? And I remember thinking like, all right, you know, 165, mm. not even a black belt, but all right, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, fuck me up. Like yeah. in, in five minutes, I tapped out. I remember the first thing I did, you know what I did, Phil? I, th- I knew the guard existed, right? Because I watched <laughs> UFC. So I thought to myself, you know what's going to be a good move? So I'm strong. I'm going to grab underneath his, his, his pants oh, yeah. and I'm going to flip him up on his head and fold him in half and then grab him. <laughs> wow. Right? This was like in my mind. So I'm, that's what I did. So we, you know, we, we shake hands and he sits down on his butt because he's, you know, trying to be cool. Yeah. And I grabbed him and I folded him half and I have no idea how he ended up behind me. <laughs> choked me out. <laughs> and I remember like tapping real hard. Like he oh, choked yeah. me so hard. And then I remember thinking like, all right, now I'm going to go hard. Right. So then I applied <laughs> a bunch of strength and, uh, like a typewriter. I was just tapping, tapping, tapping. And, um, we were done and he says, so, okay, you know, do you want to switch to someone else? And I said, uh, I got I'll be right back. I went outside and threw up. <laughs> In the bushes, and I signed up. There you go. Right mm. on the spot, because I thought to myself, if this dude could kick my ass, yes. then uh, I need to learn this. So I did six years of jiu-jitsu, um, and I really enjoyed it. I ended up stopping because I owned a, a wellness facility, and mm. it required so much of my time. Yeah. The drawback of uh, jiu-jitsu uh, from, for, for me was that I needed to train with other people. And so I had to rely on classes sure. or other people's schedule. And I just couldn't do it. Yep. So I was still lifting weights because I could do it on my own mm-hmm. and ended up, you know, not going back. But I have a lot of respect uh, and fondness for especially the grappling arts, but all of them in particular. I remember one time mm-hmm. going to AKA here in San Jose. Yeah. I was friends with um, Mike Swick. So he was a trainer mm-hmm. in one of my gyms years ago. This is back when he used to just do Muay Thai and he started getting into MMA. Actually, it would bring me back. Red Bull from Thailand. You ever have Red Bull from Thailand? <laughs> no. That's the real shit. They're these right? little glass bottles, and it's not even carbonated. It's like this syrupy, that's, yeah. There's yeah, bull semen in it. Yeah, was, yeah, it was definitely, it had it's real, definitely Red Bull. <laughs> it had a real bull in it. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, testicles. He, uh, we yeah. were friends, and um, you know, he invited me to AKA once, um, and I remember trying a, a kickboxing class, and mm. I remember who the girl was, but she was a, a Muay Thai kickboxer, 140-pound mm. chick. And I held pad for her down on my leg, and I remember her kicking it, and I was like, "Wow, this is <laughs> this is yeah. fucked up. She can kill me with that." With that, so I have so much respect yeah. uh, for the martial arts, but um, but my real passion is people and fitness, and I've been training for you know for decades, and um, and then we you know we started this podcast, and it's really just an extension of, of, of personal training, and you know what Adam said. Uh, we had no experience with media. Mm-hmm. We had, I'd never been on camera. Neither had these guys. We'd never done a podcast. But what you heard was 20 years of, of training on how to communicate fitness because that's what yep. you learn, just like I'm sure you know as a coach. Yep. Mm-hmm. You learn how to communicate. Like if you want to get someone to throw a kick the right way, you mm-hmm. know the right way to communicate it through years of experience. I, even if I had your knowledge, wouldn't be able to communicate it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you listen to the podcast was that it was a bunch of terrible podcasters who understood how to communicate fitness yeah. and it, and it resonated. It was the right timing. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, now here we are and I'm very grateful and of course, grateful to work with these, uh, with these guys, very lucky to work with these, with men better than myself. Yeah. It's actually really good to talk to you guys, honestly, cause it's, it's, a, it's a genuine conversation. Right. And you're authentic in your approach. And that's why you were probably successful. You were successful as a trainer. And now you guys are successful here at podcasting. Justin, go ahead and tell them a little bit about yourself, too, as well. I want to leave you out, man. You over yeah, yeah, don't leave me out over here. Yeah, no. <laughs> He's uh, a handsome one. Yeah, according to you know, fan, our fan base. Fan yeah, favorite. <laughs> we're not going to go into that. Uh, yeah, no. So I was I came in more. Uh, my passion has always been athletics. And uh, I come from more of like a team sport background. Mm-hmm. So any and all team sports, I always uh, ventured into those. And I, you know, consider myself a, a you know, a pretty good athlete, yeah. especially in, in high school. I'm kind of that that stereotypical guy that like will kind of refer back to my high school days of like championships <laughs> and, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know, like Uncle, the, Rico, Uncle Rico. Uncle Rico. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> 100% I'm yeah. Uncle Rico now and uh, trying to at least kind of pass on uh, what I learned in my experiences. But I did play college football 
Uh, and that's something that, uh, you know, I got to sort of that, that pinnacle of, of whatever, you know, my, my athletic career was going to be and realize right away that there's levels, right? Yeah, there's, yeah. there's, there's guys yeah. that are out there that are just, you know, genetic freaks and, uh, you know, have the same sort of skill set that I do, but they also have the physicality mm-hmm. and the speed and the power that, uh, yeah, I just yeah. was just humbled by, sure. uh, which was great in a sense that it, it, it forced me to really hone in on how I was training. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really got like excited and passionate about that in the off season. I intended to really love the off season mm-hmm. more than actually competing once I got into college yeah. uh, for that reason. And uh, the last two years I had were pretty good in terms of like performance, but I really stretched myself to, to, to the last of my ability. So anyway, so I, re- I basically took that and then brought it back and came back to California. I lived out in, in Chicago and went to school there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and was just looking for a job, became a personal trainer and and figured out that, uh, you know, that was a great way for me to sort of, uh, you know, take that, what I've learned and and pass it on to individuals. And again, this is another one of those humbling things where you realize, uh, you know, people don't, don't understand right away, you know, how to move properly, like, you know, Mm -hmm. how to, to train, like they don't understand like the, the basics, the foundations uh, that they need to apply and concentrate on first. And uh, so for me, that was just a whole new chapter where I, I got to, to spend a lot of time and years developing, you know, my skills as a coach and passing that on. Gotcha. I mean, you guys have great chemistry together, hundred mm. percent. So uh, what I did want to know is like, how did you guys all meet up? Yeah. So we have, uh, we all have kind of like a little bit of different, right? So Justin and I go all the way back. God, now what are we on now? How many years now? We're it, it's got to be like fifteen. Yeah, we're so we're co- we're twelve to fifteen years. We've known each other. He, I actually got him fresh out of college. So after you talk about his college football story and stuff, mm-hmm. he graduated with a sports medicine degree nice. um, or kines, and he uh, applied at the gym that I was running. So I was running mm-hmm. a twenty-four hour fitness back then. And became this is in Chicago or is this in California? Here, this California. is here. So yeah, oh, he yeah? moved back from Chicago. Gotcha. He's he's here in California, not far from here. Mm-hmm. And he applies uh, with another guy at the same time. And Justin hates I tell this story all the time, yeah. but I think it's important about his character. Poor Nick. Yeah, uh, <laughs> is I I I didn't think that Justin was going to be a great trainer. I hired him. Yeah. I knew my skill set, my ability to be able to teach and coach up. And I hired another guy at the same time. And he at that time, because I'm about midway in my my leadership career. Mm-hmm. And I, I see this guy, Justin, he's educated, he's got the, the physical background, but he's kind of quiet, he has a mm-hmm. different style than me, um, and I, I want to take a chance on him, we'll see, we'll see where he ends up. He ends up being my top guy, he ends nice. up being like one of the best coaches that I've ever, ever worked with, and Perfect. we become great friends, and what ended up, we ended up sticking together for a long time, in fact... I moved to another gym, uh, took him with me. Mm-hmm. He was kind of my right-hand man forever. Even beyond, after he left 24-Hour Fitness, we remained friends. We did other business together mm-hmm. because he really complimented my personality. We, uh, all of my weaknesses are his strengths and nice. vice versa. Yeah. So we really, we gelled really, really well. And when it's too bad you weren't a girl. We yeah. were married. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so that's, that's just sound like you're having a little romantic. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Romantic. it's 2020 yeah. fellas. Yeah. 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 That's true. You can right. do it. You no, guys can still do it. So right. Here he, we fucking go. Yeah. So that's how <laughs> he doesn't work out. Him and I uh, go that far back. Um, Sal worked for 24 Hour Fitness also, but we didn't uh, ever really cross paths. In fact, I I do have one memory of of seeing Sal at a uh, at a big huge convention. He used to wear this white polo shirt that was like two sizes too small. He was like super jacked, <laughs> jacked. arms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, Dude, there's the other. This guy's hella buff, right? So <laughs> the way I knew of him was he was always a top performer. Mm-hmm. So he was always in uh, you know these big conventions and meetings that we'd have quarterly uh they'd highlight the best of the best and i'd mm-hmm. always see his name and we had mutual friends and they would always tell us like you know hey you gotta you gotta meet sal you gotta meet yeah. sal you gotta meet sal and we linked up way later so we've all moved on from 24 hour fitness he's got his facility that he's running i'm actually in marijuana i've started up two of the first medical marijuana facilities in the bay area <laughs> justin's off running something and he reaches out and sends me over a message via Facebook. Mm-hmm. And we actually started communicating first about marijuana. At that time, his mother-in-law is uh, passing away and he's mm-hmm. doing a lot of his own research on cannabis and mm-hmm. how it can help with somebody with cancer. And he you know, hears and knows that I'm in the, in the field. I'm starting up two of these clubs. And so that is how the conversation really started. Wow. And, and we kind of hit it off via Facebook and mm-hmm. we're talking and laughing and sharing stuff about marijuana. 
And then he, one day he sends me over this, uh, this file and it's something that him and Doug had worked on. Doug was a client of Sal's mm-hmm. and I think similar to uh, Justin and I's relationship, Doug compliments Sal a lot. Yeah. They're very, very different, but together they're amazing. Sure. And he says, hey, this is my, my buddy and I are working on this. Could you take a look at it and tell me what you think? Mm-hmm. And he sent it over, and it was right in the direction of kind of where I was thinking. So at this time, I'm building a uh, Instagram following. I had decided I want to move away from marijuana. I want to get back into fitness where my, my passion, my love is. And I'm going to do it through these social platforms that everybody's starting to blow up on. What year was this? This is like seven, eight years ago. So, okay. yeah. Maybe so, even longer. Yeah, maybe longer. Yeah, maybe maybe so. Doug's, yeah, Doug, he's got the best memory. How long ago was that that we put together the Maps Anabolic yeah. stuff? 20. So there you go. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, so, so you're right. Yeah, so yeah, seven, right. eight years ago. It's not that long ago. No, it's not that long it's ago. Really yeah, long. but it's still kind of early on, like with YouTube stars sure. and Instagram. Like people are mm. just starting to get kind of famous in that and world. Podcasting yeah. it was really early. Like, yeah, that there, was, there were a lot yeah, of people yeah, that didn't even know right. what podcasts podcasts were. Yeah. So that so Sal sends me over this, and so I'm where I'm thinking by myself at this time is that. I'm going to get back into uh, fitness. The way I'm going to do it is I'm going to show this transformation on my body. I was in, I was in some of the worst shape I'd ever been in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to document, get a bunch of people paying attention to what I'm doing, t- show people that I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then I was going to build a, a fitness business. What exactly that looked like at that time, I had no fucking clue. Yeah. I didn't know what exactly what it would evolve to. So then Sal sends me over this program that he's already written and already started to do the marketing material with Doug. And when I read it and I watch it, I'm like, oh, this is, this is right up my alley. This is, this is the information I think that needs to be presented. And I call him and I'm like, we got to get together. Mm -hmm. We got to meet. And uh, similar to what you commented already, uh, we all got into a room, man. And the first time that we were all meeting each other in person, Mm -hmm. just automatic chemistry, just respect for each other. Very, very different. We're all, we have all different passions and things we're into. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fitness is what draws us all together uh, and just hit it off. And there was just this great dynamic conversation. And I don't remember still this day who it was uh, uh, that piped up first and said, we should put this conversation on a podcast and uh, to me at that time uh, I thought that was like as crazy as like starting a radio show like I thought Mm -hmm. we would need to have crazy sponsors and it would cost millions of dollars to get on Mm -hmm. air and Doug's like nah I got the equipment we could do it I got microphones yeah Yeah. and so we all got together and ripped out the the first episodes and said, okay, let's see if uh, anybody else likes this as much as we think they <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Cross fingers. Well, yeah. you know, early on, um, you know, one thing that we all agreed on, you know, you said you used the word authentic, and we've, that's actually something that we put in our branding. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, I, you know, in the fitness space, general fitness space, okay, if you think of, like, the fitness industry, the supplement industry, the weight loss industry, mm-hmm. you know, a, a good 90-something percent of all the stuff that's presented in the fitness industry is bullshit. Uh, yeah. Most of the weight loss information and diet pills mm-hmm. and books and, you know, workouts that are out there for the average person. You know, I'm not talking about competitive powerlifter workouts or, you know, like if you're a high-level MMA athlete workouts. Those have time-tested. You compete. They work or they don't work. Mm-hmm. I'm not about general fitness. It's complete garbage. Yeah. And as trainers, after training people for as long as we did, we all had the same – gripes with the fitness industry. Sure. I mean, uh, all, all of us, you know, at least a thousand times, had to talk to clients about mm-hmm. some bullshit supplement or mm-hmm. about some bullshit advice or, yeah, I know you read that, you know, mm-hmm. egg yolks are bad for you, but they're actually not. And so we were like, listen, let's do a, here's the wonderful things about, po- and I knew a little bit about podcasting and Doug had really informed me about the, the space a little bit. And mm-hmm. I knew that the barrier to enter was low. Mm. Anybody could start a podcast. Yep. Uh, re- the equipment, luckily, because the technology was inexpensive, there aren't um, you know gatekeepers to podcasting like there would be uh, you television. Know, yeah, television or radio. radio or back in the day, it was muscle you know bodybuilding magazines or fitness magazines. Mm-hmm. So I we knew that you could be totally honest, and it didn't matter if we pissed off ninety five percent of the industry because fuck them who cares Mm -hmm. and so we all started the podcast with that we're like you know what we're gonna do we're gonna start the podcast this podcast and we're gonna be honest Mm -hmm. as hell we're gonna tell people all the bullshit that's out there we're gonna sell fitness but we're gonna do it the right way and we're gonna tell people you want to lose 30 pounds gonna take you a year and we're gonna tell them the (laughs) truth and we're gonna do it in a way that's totally honest and fun and no holds barred and raw and we know this has worked with our clients 
let's try this on a podcast and let's see what happens. Which is crazy, though, because that's how everybody was making money. Yeah. You know, like all of a sudden we just cut that right out, that mm-hmm. revenue, potential revenue source. And there's yeah. been sponsors that have, you know, come our way and we've actually had to say no, because in the very beginning, especially when we're not making money, that's really enticing. Sure, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Who was it that came after Muscle Tech? Yeah, yeah. Was it Muscle Tech? Muscle Tech wanted to sponsor us. We're like, yeah. no, <laughs> no, we're not going to work with it. Perfect. You. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's kind of the 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 gist of of the energy and attitude behind the podcast was, yeah. let's be honest, let's be real, and then by I guess by accident, maybe because we were already um, you know develop, we were already mature men at this point. I mean, seven years ago, I was thirty, you know, thirty four years old. Uh, you know, our, I don't know if this would have been as true if we had started at 24, but mm-hmm. at 34, we were pretty established with yeah. who we are. And this worked out really well because I, especially with social media, if you start a business with an image that's not true and honest, yeah. and God forbid you become successful with that fake image, it's torture. It's a nightmare. Yeah, you got to be that per- you got to be that person. Always, you know. So time. we were like, I mean, I, I'm 34, man. I've been doing this for 20 something. I'm not going to be anybody who I'm not. So yeah. I'm going to be a real as hell. The same thing with these guys. Mm-hmm. And we just went forward with that and uh and you know what? It worked. You same know way. what? I think that also your experience altogether does play a huge role in that because you have credible knowledge that you can give to people that people are going to look at and be like, okay, he actually knows what he's talking about. He's not some young 19 year old kid that just jumped on the scene, got his NSCA, CSCS. And now he's trying to talk to us about training where you obviously all three of you have done something in the industry. What I'm curious though, what program was he working on? So it was maps anabolic. And I'll tell you why it was, uh, it was right around that same time. I was starting to realize that I needed to change the programming for my own clients. So for the first half of my career, um, a lot of the the training, you talk about certifications and stuff, I was following like a certification type of a protocol, like how to train them. And so mm-hmm. this is like really similar to your conversation that we had. And it, what I was starting to realize was there was other factors other than like this is perfect programming. Because perfect programming and ideal if I had a client that would come in and train six, seven days a week for a year straight consistently. But the reality of it is the common person doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what Sal had pieced together was this this full body routine that was only two to three days a week. And what I was just starting to piece together with my clients was I realized, like, you know what? Most of my clients, no matter how motivated they are when they first come in and say, oh, I'm going to come in seven days a week and I'm going to do this yeah. and do that, life hits and other shit happens in their life and then they, sure. they are inconsistent. And so these body part split routines that we had all been told are the best and that all the muscle magazines were promoting Mm -hmm. and most people were training like was not what was best for my average client. It was this full body approach. uh, And I would only train them two or three times a week. Now that's great if they could do more, I could do other things with them, but Mm -hmm. most people benefited from that. But that wasn't what was being told at the time. I mean, we, most everybody was running a, a body part split type of routine or Trainers were trying to wow clients with their their, their uh, creativity in yeah. programming. You know, like yeah. how different of an exercise. And I was yeah. like, it's the basic. It's the overhead press. It's the bench press. It's the dead, it's the movements sure. that really give you the biggest bang for your buck that make all the difference. And that's really what anabolic is comprised of. It's this two to three day a week full body routine with all the core lifts. And to the average person who doesn't know better, they might look at it and go, oh, that's boring. I know yeah. all those exercises. Yeah. But what I had found out over you know decades of training clients was that's what most people were getting the best results from, but they needed to be sold on it that this is the way yeah. to train for most people. And I had just been kind of putting that together myself, and then he sends that over, and I'm like, oh, my God, we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. and you know this, this might not sound crazy to you uh, because you're obviously an experienced coach and trainer, and you, so this is common knowledge for you and maybe mm-hmm. for a lot of your listeners. But when you're talking about general population, seven years ago, and when I when we put together Maps Anabolic, it was before that, right? It was probably about eight or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Convi- telling the average person to deadlift and barbell squat and barbell overhead press, mm-hmm. they were like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not a good exercise. I knew I trained a lot of everyday people, engineers, doctors, housewives, mm-hmm. people in their 60s, people in their 50s, a lot of people in their 70s and 80s even at some point. 
if I if I could get them to the point where they can do a squat and then we do squats, nothing's going to give them better results, especially with the limited time that they would spend with me. I knew the deadlift, if done properly, would benefit everybody because it's a basic, you know, fundamental movement. I knew mm. overhead presses had so much value, and you could do all the other weird shoulder exercises you want. But it, you know, if you're coming to see me twice a week, and you know, I'm going to make you stronger with an overhead press. It's going to make you burn more body fat. You're going to have better shoulder mobility. And so, you know, it doesn't sound revolutionary to say it now, but it was then, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, I tell you what, Phil, you know, managing gyms for as long as I did, you're talking about big, you know, box, general, you know, population gyms. You know, I used to be a 30, 40,000 square foot facility, one squat rack. Mm-hmm. Dust That's all over great. it. Nobody's touching yeah, the squat. Two thousand workouts, hundreds a, of uh, cardio yeah, uh, yeah, equipment. Yeah. Two thousand workouts in a, in a day, and you know, one person might have used that yeah. squat rack. That's yeah, so crazy. Yeah, God right? forbid you deadlift, and people would freak out and yeah. come up to the front desk. Oh, he's going to break have, his back. I have a mm-hmm. very difficult time going to like a big box gym or like that. We call it chrome and carpet gyms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I have a very difficult time going there. Like I might. My just my energy just drains. Well, as soon as I step in there, that's because you are a different animal altogether. You're an athlete in mm-hmm. training someone. Like for example, if I had a client like you, I just tell you what to do. Yeah, and you're gonna do it. You're gonna do. You're like a soldier, and you're there to win, and you're there to compete, and you're there to. And it's it, you know from that standpoint, it's easy to train you. Now it's hard because uh, it's technical. Training someone like you be very technical. Yeah. How I train the programming is like so has to be so specific for someone like you. But yeah. getting you to work out and do what I tell you and eat what I tell you, yeah. piece of cake, I'll give you a piece of paper, you'll do exactly what I say. Mm-hmm. The average person, whole different, it's a completely different thing. The goal with the average person is how do I coach and lead this person to develop a lifelong relationship with fitness? Because the average person right now is dying or has chronic illness or a pain from lack of activity and a poor uh, diet and just a, an unhealthy lifestyle, and getting them to go from there to developing a relationship with exercise to where they enjoy it, they value it, and they do it forever, and they eat right, and they enjoy it, and they value it, and they do it forever, that's the stuff that, you know, that we did mostly. Yeah, one of the biggest epiphanies I think we all collectively kind of concluded from our conversations is how we all used to really coach to the behaviors of, of the individual. And, and I know you talked about this a bit on our podcast, but it's definitely something that each one of us always considered. Each person is so different and so mm-hmm. diverse and has, um, you know, all kinds of different like challenges uh, that you need to, to, to peer into in order to make them as successful as possible in their pursuits. And uh, the thing about like the anabolic program that, you know, stood out was, yes, it was basic and it, but it really like honed in on, on the fundamentals of the, the foundational strength elements that, uh, you know, will work, uh, you know, pretty much will across the board for most people, uh, but also leaves room for those modifications to happen and then be coachable, you know, within that program. And so that was a big important thing because most online programs, I mean, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you make an individualized program for the masses? It's just, it's really difficult. And this is where these long conversations help, you know, for people to listen to us, you know, how we navigate through all these different types of scenarios, but also here's sort of this, the skeleton of it. Well, there's, there's a, there's an important thing to add to this too, that for those that are listening on, on your show that are interested in the business side, something that we didn't do. So when we met Sal and we got first connected, MAPS Anabolic, the program that, that really set Mind Pump off, and that's how we made most of our money early on, we actually didn't release it. So even though we had it mm. um, and we had started this podcast that started to get some traction, we didn't try and sell it. Gotcha. We, we knew that we had to – we were nobodies. Yeah. You know, we were, we were, to the average person at this time, you know, Mind Pump's not big. It's super small. It's just got a few probably hundred or a few thousand people paying attention to us. On the podcast, we still knew we needed to prove ourselves. Yeah. And the way we decided to do that was providing all this free content yep. and, and letting people, let them come to the conclusion that we know what the fuck we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And we held off on selling for a very long time. It was a, it was a constant conversation off air where we'd say, okay, we've been doing this for free for like seven months now. Like yeah. we got the thing to sell. Should we sell yet? And we, ah, it's not right, the right time. Like yeah. we still got to give more. We got to give more. We got to give more. And there really was a, a moment that we decided, and it was about a year, a little after a year in, when we were all starting to get messages in our inbox that were saying, 
you know, hey, do you guys have a Patreon or can I donate money to your cause? Because they felt that we had already given so much Mm -hmm. to them for free that they owed us. And then we thought, okay, now we're ready. Now we're ready to release something for sale because people are already trying to give us money for nothing. Yeah, that was um, that's something that I pride myself on in a lot of ways because I put out a lot of free content and obviously now I have programs and courses and things of that nature. But between all three of you, that's why I was going to say, how were you marketing it? But now I can see that it was through the podcast. It was probably through some, you know, all the social media and things of that nature. Whereas now with same thing with me, like people are feeling guilted almost into buying something. And that sounds Mm -hmm. bad. But at the end of the day, they're like, man, I feel like I owe you. Right. And I don't want to do that. I know you guys didn't want to do that. But the goal was to put out as much information to allow for you to become the authority in the field. You have to build. Look, Mm -hmm. if you're going to sell something uh, online, uh, the person has to believe uh, in what you're saying. And although locally we had authority because we manage gyms in San Jose. So Mm -hmm. you go to San Jose gyms and you say Adam Schaefer or Sal or Justin. And people might say, oh, yeah, I know that guy. But in Internet land, we're nobody. Mm -hmm. So it was a year of building authority and value and after a year and people listening and you know wonderful wonderful thing about podcasts is it's long form uh, communication and in 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 my opinion there is no better way to communicate uh real fitness than long form you know i can't communicate to the average person the best strategy to lose weight in an effective way at least i mean i can tell you that you know cut your calories increase mm-hmm. whatever but i mean in an effective way i can't do that in a, a one minute or 30 second you know, clip on Instagram. I yep. need a podcast and we're going to, we're going to go into depth and we're going to have these com- same conversations we have with clients. So after a year of building that authority, providing so much value, when we released the program, uh, that, I mean, we released it and it just, people just bought it because well, we, it, it's, it always comes down to value and price, no, no matter what you're buying, yeah. right? You, if you make a decision to purchase something, you have decided that whatever that dollar amount was, it's more valuable to you than that dollar amount. Otherwise, you wouldn't buy it. If it was way less than that, you wouldn't do it. And the only way that we could measure that early on was that people finally were at a place where they had felt we had given so much, they wanted to give us money regardless of what we had to sell. And that to us was like, okay, well now obviously if we provide a program that's extremely valuable and good, and people are already trying to give us money because of what we've already given. Mm-hmm. That to us was the, the measuring stick of, okay, when we release this program, mm-hmm. they're going to see that it's that much That's more. Yeah, and I'll tell you, dude, some, I mean, just some, some funny stuff about this whole thing is that uh, because we went into it, luckily with low barriers, we didn't have to sell anybody's stuff but our own. We mm-hmm. were able to be as honest as possible, build that authority and you know, develop that reputation with integrity and called our own shots. When it became time to, to bring on sponsors, which was much later, and a lot of people don't know this, but when you start a podcast or you do some kind of other media, you got to get kind of big before you can make money doing sponsorships, right? But you can make money before that if you sell your own products. Yeah. So we did that with our own products. And then when we got big enough, we had sponsors, but we maintained the same attitude. We're going to sell your product the way that we want. Because what they would do is they would give us these scripts. scripts yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, fuck this. We're going to say yeah. what we want. And he, literally, this is what the commercial. Sometimes the commercials would be this. I would bring up the product and I'd talk about how great it was. And Adam would be like, yeah, it works really great, but it tastes like shit. But it works really <laughs> it great. Like <laughs> shit. And they would write us back and be like, don't, you, you can't be saying that it, it tastes like shit. And yeah. then we would say... And then they look at the numbers. Right. Yeah. And then we'd say, wait for the conversions and then let us know you know, what you think. And then they'd wow. come back and be like, all right, when, you guys talk about it the way you want because it's obviously working. Yeah. It's really about being honest. And it sounds, you know, maybe now it's not so funny, but that was breaking a lot of rules back then. Yeah. It didn't sound... We would tell people how we're going to do it back then. They'd say, that's not going to work. Yeah. It did. And, I, you know, I think the timing was right. I really do. I think people were ready to hear just true honesty with, uh, with, you know, with, with media, which. Okay. So when was the timing right though, to, to start doing the more sponsorship, the sponsorship. So the, when it was, when we were able to attract the brands that we really wanted. Yeah. Gotcha. So there was a lot of like that nobody ever knows about, right? There's a lot of companies. When, when we first started to get a little bit of traction, there's some smart businesses out there that do a good job of finding up and coming companies or businesses. Yeah, yeah. And they, and most of them are supplement companies because the margins are so great in supplements. 
that would be hitting us up. Try this out, you know, promote this, promote this, and, you know, we'll pay Sal you. Sal would eat all of them. Yeah, yeah. Sal would try them all out, right, for free. I have a bit of a supplement addiction. Yeah, so, uh, but we weren't interested. We weren't interested in somebody selling us on their ideas and their product for us to push on the show. Mm-hmm. We were more interested in stuff that we were already using or interested in ourselves. So mm-hmm. when we finally got enough traction and that people were hitting us up, we then realized, okay, well, maybe now we can start to go after the companies that we want. So we mm-hmm. actually started to, so, and I had somebody in, we have a department that's heads up partnerships and stuff like that. And that's their job is to seek out companies like Sal or Justin will say, Hey, check this company out. I really like what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, reach out to them and they'll go LinkedIn, make a bunch of com- uh, conversations back and forth. Eventually that conversation leads to a conversation with me on the phone. Gotcha. And a lot of times early on, I had to sell them. Like, listen, I know you don't know who we are. Yeah. Uh, we like your product. This is what we do. This is how big we are right now. Give us a shot to market your stuff yeah. for a couple episodes. Let us show you what we can do. Sure. And uh, we did. We always would We would over-deliver on the return for them on ROI. And so nice. they would fall in love, and then we yeah, did The them. first time was, uh, what was the convention? Paleo FX? Was that the name of it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was the first time. How many years ago was that when we really started doing that? was doing a big that? convention back then. Huh? Like, yeah. yeah. Five years or something? No, something? four years ago? Was it? Four or five years. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. It was like four years ago, and we were barely, I mean, sponsorships was such a small part of our revenue. We were doing great with our programs. And yeah. we go to Paleo FX, and I remember on the way there, all of us were like, all right, it's time. Let's start talking to sponsors. Maybe we'll see some companies. And that's what we did. We went there yeah. mm-hmm. and I walked up to, I remember the first company I walked up to was Four Sigmatic. I'd loved their products, like their mushroom extracts. I'd used them before. Mm-hmm. I walked up, didn't know it was the actual uh, owner who was there. I thought he was just some dude working the booth. Yeah. And I, I, I shook his hand. I'm like, hi, I'm Sal. I host the top fitness podcast in the world. I yeah. don't even know if we were the top at the time. That's what I said. <laughs> I said, and I love cordyceps. I use it this way or whatever. I'd love uh, to work yeah. with it. And I guess it struck him, you know, whatever. And we ended up starting up. And so we got like two or three partnerships. Yeah. That uh, through that particular convention, and mm-hmm. then because we did a good job of converting, and again, I think it's just because we have so much trust in our audience. Well, there was there was also a big opportunity to do that side of the house better too. So Sal alluded earlier to you know like it's kind of standard in the podcasting space, and this is really going to probably interest people that are into podcasting. So bear with me. You you have this like okay, uh, a company says they want to sponsor your podcast. You do what they call pre-roll or mid-roll commercials. They have a script that you say. They, they have a dollar amount CPM based off of CPMs, which is $25 to $30 for every 1,000 downloads you have. And so there's this kind of like unsaid or like rule of how this works. Okay. And when, when we came in, and this was a lot of the stuff that I was kind of dealing with when we first started uh, started off, I was like, well, this is bullshit. Why does this 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 guy who has a podcast the exact same size as as ours, but maybe communicates the product different than how we would like to communicate it? And I also know that these guys, one of the things that we were really good at in our previous career was sales and teaching sales and teaching people how to sell better. Yeah. Why do we get paid the same amount of money mm-hmm. when I when I know that we're we're so not, we're not going to play by these rules? Yeah. Um, we're going to instead of doing these these pre roll commercials that. Everybody who listens to a podcast, once you figure out this is your favorite podcast, you listen to it every day or every other day, uh, they do commercials for the first eight minutes. I'm just going to fast forward through it. Who yeah. doesn't do that? Yeah. I mean, everybody I know that listens to I don't know how many MeUndies commercials I listen yeah, to. Yeah, right. So everybody <laughs> fast forwards through that. So we're, the first opportunity we saw is like, okay, well, what if we were to integrate these commercials into our conversation so nobody oh. fast forwards it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And now I got to think that 80% of your listenership is now having to listen to the commercial. That's got to mm-hmm. convert better. It's and also it, real. Yeah. It's yeah. also real conversation. Right, right. Gotcha. And so that was we saw that opportunity. Then we saw how the partnership was handled. Uh, most people get a sponsorship. They sell five commercials or whatever. They agree on a deal. They do these pre-rolls, these reads. It is what it is. At the end of the campaign, mm-hmm. the partner goes, uh, oh, you did well. Let's re-sign again. Or you didn't do so well. We're going to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, we were like, okay, well, that, that should be an ongoing conversation. So we staff somebody that their job is to, once we have a partner, communicate every week with them mm-hmm. and follow up and say, you know, for schematic, we'll use that example. Hey, Sal talked about your product last week. What were conversion rates? How did you like this? They send over a clip. Like, gotcha. is there anything going on in your company that we can know about, that we can talk about? Mm-hmm. And so we, we added this personal touch to our partnerships mm-hmm. so they could give us weekly feedback on the, the performance. Yeah. And then we use all of our other mediums, YouTube, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, 
ever, all these other mediums to help build, uh, bring up numbers. So let's say, you know, Rachel is talking to Four Sigmatic, you know, we've done tons of commercial for them, and they say, hey, for some reason, um, you know, performance is 30% down mm. this week. Instead of us waiting till the whole thing's over, we know that immediately that we're underperforming from that yeah, commercial. Yeah. Right away, you'll see Sal or one of us integrate it into one of the other platforms. Mm. So we don't sell those other platforms. We use those as ways to make good on all contracts. And so what we what ended up happening was we ended up delivering ROI on all of our partners. And so we built a reputation around being a podcast that you want to you want to work with because sure. if we do business with you we're going to deliver. Sure. Yeah. And, and you say that when you're in mid conversation basically, mm-hmm. right? You bring up a topic that is predicated towards that particular sponsor. Right. That so, helps people stay involved and So I'll tell you how it flowing, works. Right? So I'll tell you how it works. So right now you look at the TV screen and it has your name on it because we had you. Mm-hmm. Normally what it would be added to that those notes up on that TV screen would be, uh, you know, Magic Spoon cereal and let's say Juve Light. Mm-hmm. And we walk in. We don't know the, the three of us don't know this until we get up there and we look at the TV screen. Nice. And so, we'll, we'll have a little bit of dialogue right before the, the show starts. And so one of us of the three, because that commer- those two commercials, we haven't seen those brands for at least two to three weeks. Gotcha. So in that time, one of us has used Juve Light. One of us has had Magic Spoon cereal, and so one guy will pipe in and go like, oh, I, I got Magic Spoon cereal. Yeah. Or and, I read a study on the red light therapy, so let me bring that up on the podcast. Right. And then that's all that we say, and that's then we get into our normal conversation, and then it's kind of like that. Interject it. Yeah, that guy's job is to, and, and this is taking a skill over years, right? Like, yeah. how do we do that in a very authentic, organic way? So yeah. it's not like, you know, Justin's talking about a football story, and then all of a sudden <laughs> I go, hey, you know, did you hear about that Magic Spoon cereal? That's pretty fucking good, right? Like, you don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if we do do that, we call it out. Yeah, right. 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 So, yeah. And we do that, right? Yeah. So Sounds if, terrible. Yeah, if someone yeah. doesn't transition it in a oh, it, shit, really that's funny. Yeah, yeah, we'll oh, call each that. other out and be like, that was a terrible transition into our commercial right there. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we yeah. keep it very real. And I no, think I that, that. Uh, yeah. partners love it now. Uh, to Sal's point. They didn't like it before. They hated it at the beginning. We were like yeah. the, the redheaded stepchild, man. They really? just did not like fucking with us. Man, so I want to back up a little bit because I know I have a lot of coaches that own their own facility or are managing facilities. Now, you guys have done that. How were you able to scale and be successful in that platform before you started doing podcasting? Well, okay, success and scaling, uh, similar but different. Mm-hmm. So let's start, first start with uh, success. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, um, you are the mayor of your town. You want to think about that way when you're in your facility. So a lot of at least gym managers um, uh, tend to be in their office or tend to not be out on the floor. I was always out on the floor, always talking to the members, always changing the music. Uh, if I had free t-shirts, I'd give them out to people for doing an extra rep or yeah. going faster on the treadmill. I was always out there talking to people. I was definitely like the mayor. The second thing is you want, and here's this is the thing that a lot of trainers and coaches don't understand is the most important skill that you can possibly have if you're a coach or a trainer, more important than even your knowledge is your ability to communicate or another word for that is your sales skills. Now, when I say sales skills, I don't necessarily mean selling a product. That's part of it, definitely. But especially when you're working with uh, the average person, you're trying to help them get in shape, you are constantly selling them on why they need to change their diet. You're constantly selling them on why they need to work out more consistently. You're constantly selling them on how to change their lifestyle. So really, it's, it's about effective communication. And so what I did a lot of was sales training of my entire staff, my front desk. I would teach them how to sell uh, uh, sales skills so they could communicate to members to make them feel better, mm-hmm. communicate to members about how they're going to work out, and of course the occasional, hey, we have a sale, uh, a sale on apparel, whatever. I would communicate to my trainers uh, sales skills to teach them how to talk to their clients uh, properly, to get them to motivate them, to help them make changes in their life, and then of course how to sell personal training. And of course the salespeople, that's a very obvious one. Mm-hmm. Even my kids club staff and my porters, I would do this, this kind of training. Effective communication skills allows you, the coach, to take what you know, which is incredible information and understanding around training, Mm -hmm. fitness, nutrition, and transfer it to the mind of someone else. Because if every person that walked into your facility truly understood the value of what you have to offer, you'd never have to say anything and you'd be very successful. Unfortunately, we can't do that, right? It's not the matrix. I can't plug my brain into yours. I have words. I have to use my words. So those skills are very important. And then the third thing 
if you have a physical location, the most important thing you can do, the biggest uh, return on your investment in terms of marketing is going to be just your local community. Uh, you know, very few people travel more than 10 miles away from their house or job yeah. to work mm -hmm. out or go to a facility. Yeah. So you want to think locally. This is a very effective strategy, by the way. I used to do this. I do this all the time. When I would go into a new gym, I would go to business owners and managers around me, mm -hmm. and I'd offer every single one of them free access to my facility. Yep. And then when they'd come in, I would give them tremendous value. Yep. I would treat them incredibly well. I would train them for free. I would help them. And then within a month or two, the referrals would start pouring in because mm -hmm. they have a business that people attend, mm -hmm. and maybe they're cutting their hair, and then they're like, oh, you know where you should go? Sal, the owner, the owner of that place, he's freaking awesome. And then before you know it, I'd have tons and tons of referrals uh, in my yeah. facility. I think we have to share, though, that you know all, all three of us did this, and we left it, though. Mm -hmm. We left it for a reason. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the other things that happened in that, that first conversation was that we believed that the, the gym model had to change. Mm -hmm. And it was being forced to change because of social media and what was coming up. So... If I'm if we're speaking to your audience who is doing that, mm -hmm. my advice is you better get on board with social media and find a way for it to complement your current brick 100%. and mortar. I, I I would we get asked all the time, well, how come you guys don't start a mind pump gym? That's because we ran gyms for they're not very profitable. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's sure. very hard for to sure. scale. For it's sure. very hard to scale. And yeah. even if you get really really good, right? And you have you say you're crushing in the mm -hmm. gym space, which by the way, crushing in the gym space is probably bringing home one fifty to a quarter million dollars a year, right? That's crushing at the most. Yeah, right at the most. That's me yeah. saying crushing. You're yeah, crushing yeah. if you're doing one fifty to a quarter million sure. in your gym. And then, and then the next thing step for those that person is normally to build a second one, and that Ooh. is one of the hardest things to do, yeah. is to make a second gym mm -hmm. like your first one, which is your baby and that you're involved in. Sure. So it's a really tough business to try mm -hmm. and scale. Uh, my advice to someone that is doing that: so if you already own one and you're in the middle of it, and I'm scaring the shit out of you, like you're not, you're not going to make a lot of money, <laughs> then you best get on board with what's happening with social media yeah. and. You know, we've talked already. What helped us so much was the ability to communicate uh, on this podcast and, mm -hmm. and share our knowledge and our information. That is such a huge value add, even as somebody who has a brick and mortar. Yeah. So if I was starting this all over, I didn't have these guys and I had my own little gym. I would have my gym that I'm trying to do all the things that Sal mentioned, but I also would have a podcast, YouTube, YouTube channel, maybe some Instagram, whatever, to complement that. So, so I got a great example for that, right? So I'd been training people for, you know, at the time, maybe 15 years. I owned my own wellness facility, mm -hmm. relatively known in the local area. And at that point, my top per session rate for personal training was $150 an hour, mm -hmm. which is that's, that, that's near the top of what you're going to make as a trainer, unless you're a celebrity trainer. So yeah. if single session rate, 150 bucks an hour, we start Mind Pump, the podcast, mm -hmm. okay? Four months into the podcast, I mean, we're getting, I don't know, a thousand downloads an episode, maybe 1,500. I mean, we're not a huge podcast yet. Um, we're getting traction, especially for an early podcast, mm -hmm. especially for those days, but not a ton. A lady comes into my gym who listens to my podcast. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I wasn't taking any extra clients. I was already looking at, okay, I have these certain clients trying to build Mind Pump right now. I see that there's a direction there, so I'm going to focus my energy there. She comes in. I'm, I listened to your podcast. Oh, my God, I love Mind Pump so much. I want you to train me. I'm like, look, I don't have time. Yeah. I'm not looking. She's like, look, I'll pay whatever. It's really So I thought to myself, like, let me see. What do you mean? You Okay, let me just test this out. So I said, uh, it's $300 an hour. I'll buy 10 And I, right there, I learned a valuable lesson that the perceived authority that I had because I had a podcast and she listened to it, tremendously increased my value in person. So yep. if you own a brick and mortar facility and you have even a small audience on a podcast or social media and you build authority and value with your small audience mm -hmm. and one of those people comes and wants to train with you or hire you, yeah. your per, your value is through the roof. The perceived value is tremendous. I couldn't believe, I, could I would never get away with charging 300 bucks an hour before mm -hmm. this lady bought 10 sessions because that's the max I would sell her because I didn't have the time yeah. and I couldn't believe it. It really made a huge yeah, difference. Yeah, really. This yeah, is a, an extension of the culture that, you know, that we've, we've created and it mm -hmm. took a long time to get that same type 
type of uh, notoriety and culture that we had like individually as personal trainers or as gym owners mm-hmm. uh, to then get people to kind of buy into that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really it's just like presenting as much value as possible and just continually doing that. And yep. so people, people like it again, they, they trust in you. And then that becomes something too, with the avail- availability of social media and everything else out there, you can scale that you can scale uh, an audience that is bought into what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just got to start, you know, thinking more creatively with how you can duplicate a lot of your processes, how, you know, what do you do specifically for, you know, the individuals that come into your gym? Yeah. Uh, you know, why does everybody love your gym? Like start figuring that out. How can I digitize this? How mm-hmm. can I make this, you know, something that people can consider? consume yeah. uh, in this area. Yeah, because if you, I mean, most gym owners do that, uh, own gyms because they love it. You know, yeah. I loved it. I mean, to be quite honest, you know, if I if I had all the money in the world right now and I could just do something forever, yeah. if it wasn't this, it would be I'd own a gym, make no money, and I wouldn't care because I'd, I'd love doing it. Mm-hmm. So I totally, I totally get that. I mean, all of us were trainers forever mm-hmm. uh, because we loved it um, as much as we did. Uh, but if you want to then take that and also be successful, you got to look at your model. If your model is low volume, which mm-hmm. a lot of MMA gyms and, and those types of gyms tend to be, right? You're not having, you're not like a 40,000 square foot LA fitness, right? You're not having thousands of workouts a day. You have, you're kind of a lower volume. How do I make more money? Well, you have to build your perceived value to the point where people are paying you a lot mm-hmm. per coaching yep. and per session. If you go the high volume route, that's a totally different story. Now it's low dollar, low service, but it's getting as many people as I can mm-hmm. through the door. So look at your model. If your model is a low volume approach, you got to think to yourself, how do I get my perceived value to the point where people are willing to spend two and three times as much to come to my gym? Uh, new media is a great way to do it. If you have a relatively established podcast, mm-hmm. perceived value goes up. You know what a, another great way to do that is? A book. Just because you wrote a book. It doesn't have to yeah, true. do well or whatever. Oh, yeah, it still holds a lot of authority. Because I'm an author, yeah. right? Oh, I, I wrote this book. I'm an author. Make it, that a New York Times bestseller. Well, or, oh. or even yeah. better. You know, it's funny. I took, this, I took this internet marketing course with Doug uh, years ago when we were doing all this. And this guy goes up and he made really good points. Mm-hmm. And he says, you can get on Amazon's top list by going into a category with, no, with barely anybody in there. So if mm-hmm. I wrote a fitness book, I could do like fitness for people for women over 55 who you know are you know who who had cancer culture right and then you know there's like three books in there oh i got top three in amazon category but anyway my point is you have that perceived authority Mm -hmm. then people are willing to spend a little more of course you got to be good and present the value don't be a charlatan don't be full of shit don't Mm -hmm. suck but if you if you use social media or new media to build your authority Mm -hmm. now you're low volume approach can become quite profitable now because you're known because i'll tell you what because of mind pump now if adam justin doug and myself opened up a small private gym uh we could make it very profitable simply because of the perceived value of mind pump and i don't even i don't know more than i did when i was running gyms before you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying that's 100 percent accurate because right now for you to get a session with me as a as just a general pop client is 250 an hour right right so because of the fact that I have developed the authority through just years of training and then doing the social media, it's just like you said, mm-hmm. you know, and I think now when I'm developing the new, the new gym that I have now, my goal is to obviously scale to a degree that is going to be manageable for me to do all my other things that really make me a true profit, which is obviously going to be the online and things of that nature because I can reach the masses. So that goes for everybody because I have, right now, I, I mentor 420 coaches from around the world. Oh, wow. hmm. I, my business model is coaches now. Mm. So now I cater whatever my, you know, whatever my, uh, my posts are on Instagram or whatever the case with my YouTube. It really is centered around coaches as opposed to the end user being, you know, a client or, you know, someone around the line of that. Don't get me wrong, I still talk about fighting. I still work with fighters. I love that. That's my passion. But, yeah. I mean, I think, I think now, with that being said, it gives me the opportunity to help other people bring them in. Right. So that's my goal mm-hmm. as, a, as a gym owner is to help other individuals start their journey as a trainer if that 
is something that they are passionate about. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, Justin. Yeah. What happened with you in sports? You say you play you play football, right? Yeah, I play football. I play basketball. I play rugby. And you played everything. Baseball, ping yeah. pong, yeah, ping so, pong for sure. What, what school did you <laughs> go to? Ping pong guy. Uh, <laughs> what's that? What school I go to? Yeah. Uh, so I went to Trinity International. I went to San Jose State. Oh, nice. Uh, so both those schools. Uh, How old are you, by the way? I'm forty. You forty years old? Yeah, that's why he got. The I just don't fucking, dress like it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fucking nineteen yeah. over here. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got uh, the youth still. So what happened? Did you just eyes uh, over, or what? Is it injury or something? <sighs> no, no. It just. Um, I think that I, I just came to a point where I was. I went out to Chicago to kind of reinvent myself, yeah. uh, and I just kind of realized that I was putting all of my identity in in the athletic realm, mm-hmm. uh, and I actually got into music, uh, ironically, while yeah. I was out there and like started playing music with some guys, and I, I, I don't know, I guess I just was so uh, regimented all the time growing mm-hmm. up, and like that was like my my outlet was was athletics, and I was very passionate about it, loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, still like I have like a lot of passion there. I'm just not expressing it these days like I was. Um, but I, I think I just sort of transitioned once I came back here to really pour myself into learning how to be a coach and learning how to uh, be, be a good personal trainer. Anything I've ever done, uh, I start almost from like the very bottom and I'm, and I'm very much uh, I, I like I like being humbled and sucking at something, yeah. uh, so that way I could find my way up the ranks and become uh, something uh, you know great. And, and that's that's something I found to be a trait. Uh, being an athlete, uh, going mm-hmm. through all these various sports, was I would go to another sport and I would suck like mm-hmm. immediately. You know, in the beginning, and uh, it was just that 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 training process, the the way that I could get better at something. And so I just sort of uh, changed my energy towards. Um, you know, what, what I was focused on and it was really, uh, what I poured myself into was personal training. And then after that was, uh, you know, what we're doing now today, uh, with podcasting. Yeah. Do you think that you being in sports at a young age definitely helps you become a better, better individual, like better person, better podcaster, better business owner? Oh, a hundred percent. I, it's like a microcosm for life. I, I just, I, I, I'm very passionate about, especially with my own kids too, that, mm. uh, the lessons that I learned through sports, it's a very, uh, it's something that you don't really get a chance to learn, uh, you know, in a school setting or through books or sure. just, I mean, life experience, uh, you're going to face all kinds of obstacles and challenges, mm-hmm. uh, with sports, it sort of, uh, you know, turns that on turbo, right? Yeah. Like, so the, the consequences a lot of times are like immediate mm-hmm. and, uh, you get flattened a lot and it's really all about like how you pick yourself back up and how you learn how to do that. And you train yourself to mm-hmm. overcome, uh, what life throws at you. And I think that, I mean, again, this is the me looking at sports. A lot of times I look at business. I look at my relationships. I look at so many other things uh, that I've learned in sports I've used uh, with the way that now like communication has been a real struggle for me. And it's mm-hmm. interesting that uh, this is the, the occupation I'm in now, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I always talk about that. But you that. put yourself in a position to get better at the thing that you thought you were weak at. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. And it, I really just now honestly feel like I'm starting to get comfortable talking about myself. Like yeah, that's, yeah. that's been one of those things. Like I've been, mm-hmm. it's been this out of body sort of experience for me mm-hmm. to uh, really sort of feed off of what I feel like these guys have already had that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, you know, we talk about ourselves easily. Yeah, <laughs> they can just go on and on. Yeah. It's like, a, you know, it's amazing. Uh, but you know, for me, it's it's a real struggle. It's been like reps. Yeah, there was yeah. A, it, it wasn't even that. Like, I've been podcasting with Justin now for six years, and it was like a year ago. And he comes in and he's like, "Yeah," he goes, "I was in the what was that thing you were in as a high school athlete? Like you were one of the top." Oh yeah, yeah, some all American uh, whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah. Rec- no big deal, right? Thing. So he yeah. brings it. He's oh yeah, I forgot, and uh, you know my mom found this, and he shows us. And I'm like, man, if that was me, that would be the first thing you heard out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, this back be- in high school, yeah, yeah exactly. Just- it's like Uncle Rico, man. Yeah. It's like I don't want to like throw all my trophies in here. Nah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so very humble is the, is the way I like to describe uh, Justin. For Confident sure. and humble for sure. So all right, I want to get back to the podcasting because you you guys have. 1437 now i mean what was your 
and we talked about this kind of off air, but what was your craziest guest that you've had on? Oh, oh wow. guests? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, Woo. Paul ha- Paul Check has to be up there with one of the, the craziest, right? Mm-hmm. Like as far as, um, you know, our minds be, there's not a lot of episodes today, right? It's it's hard, and that's not to take anything from all the amazing guests we had, yeah. where I find myself like like on edge, like li- like listening, <laughs> like yeah. just yeah. can't wait till it comes out of this person's mouth yeah. as yeah. much as Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because he's uh, he's so, and I lo- I love that he's uh, he's he's self read. Like, if you go to his house, right? Um, mm-hmm. This guy, this oh, guy, he's got a library in his house. Yeah, 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 and it's and what I love about it is that it's a lot of contradicting philosophies and stuff. Uh-huh. So it's not like he he's he's adopted one way, gotcha. and he's just like preaching this one way. That's good. He yeah. reads a lot of stuff that really conflicts, and so he's he's very well educated and. I, I think I just love yeah. listening to that guy go down rabbit holes. Yeah, I can tell you, I tell you, there's a, there's a couple podcasts that I think back and because you know th- there's the skill of podcast because most of our episodes are just us, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. we built our, our our brand with just the three of us mm-hmm. talking, and then we started doing interviews. It's a totally different skill, right? Interviewing yeah, people, definitely completely different skill. It took us longer to learn that skill. So early days. We would get these guests that were relatively big named because we were already a, a relatively successful podcast, but we weren't really good at interviewing. And mm-hmm. I, I remember one in particular. In fact, we have a private forum. Someone brought it up, and it just oh, it made me I, so angry. I read that. Yeah, yeah. Really? We we I didn't see this. We interviewed <laughs> yes. Dave As- uh, Dave Asprey, uh, oh. Bulletproof, right? Bulletproof coffee guy uh, or whatever. Yeah. So we get him on the podcast, and we're like, you know, he's a big name, right? So, oh, cool, Dave Asprey, whatever. Yeah. And he's talking, and it's just some half the shit he's saying is bullshit, right? Especially when he talks about exercise. Oh, oh yeah, that was cringeworthy. Does not. Okay, it's like, <laughs> you, okay, you talk about coffee, talk about you know myotoxins and all that stuff. All right, all right, all right. And then he gets to exercise, and he starts talking about his workout, and does not oh. know what the fuck he's talking about. Oh man. None of us challenged him. Yeah. And we just sat there like, oh, cool. Oh, oh cool. Now, that, that's interesting. Right. Yeah. Because we didn't, we hadn't developed really this confidence in interviewing. Uh-huh. So for us, it was like, he's our guest. So we're going to be polite. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, Dave yeah. Asprey talking. So I don't want to. And I look back and I'm like, I wish, like the, the way we are now, if I interviewed him now and he said, I do 10 minutes of resistance training at max effort and that equals six days a week of, re- that's what he said, something <laughs> along those lines, six days a week of resistance. Like, no, it doesn't. That's yeah. bullshit. No, it doesn't. 10 but minutes of resistance He said training? something stupid like yeah, that. Yeah, he does right? one of those uh, ARX, like, like one extreme res- rep. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen oh, those yeah. things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Get the fuck out of here. I've been asked a couple of times about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get yeah, out of here with no that. Comments. He's on that in the vibration plate. You yeah. Know? yeah. It's like, okay, guy. Yeah, I got you. And we didn't, you know, we didn't say anything. We let it go and we would do that in those early interviews because we were all not confident enough to say what we're going to say. And then eventually we were talking to, um, and I can't remember his name, uh, Art of Charm. Oh, Jordan Harbinger. Okay, Jordan Mm -hmm. Harbinger podcast now, right? Mm -hmm. He does that now. One of the, in my opinion, one of the best. Oh, he's uh, super polished. One of the best podcast uh, interviewers that you'll see, you'll hear on podcasts. Mm -hmm. He's he's excellent at what he does. And he's a friend of ours, right? And we had him on the show a couple times and he's just so good. And off air, I asked him like, like like tips on interviewing because we're so good on our own mm-hmm. at the time but when we interview we just don't get in our rhythm yeah. and, I, and he says he goes listen he goes you are don't forget you're interviewing the person not for you not for the person but for your audience yeah mm-hmm. he goes so that's where your loyalty is great advice yeah, yeah he goes what's the worst thing that could happen you piss him off <laughs> and he gets mad and he gets up he goes then that's a great episode yeah and i'm like oh shit good you're, radio. you're right yeah. you're totally right and so it's like you know he, he helped us out in that sense yeah. but totally different but skill don't manufacture it we tried that right yeah like, so we actually brought yeah we tried well i, I think we, we thought a lot about that like we're like oh man we did we should have challenged I you know all these people right, right? oh yeah, yeah, yeah and uh so we saw you know so you see a lot of infomercials out there and like we've talked about like what's silly and what's you know ridiculous and useless mm-hmm. and so we saw one of these things it was like the jawser size guy right and oh, so they're, yeah, they're, man, that kid that dude came to the gym oh you met him okay so you've met I him i kind of met him okay yeah, okay like, so we yeah, had him man. on the show we just we thought that it would be kind of a funny thing to just kind of roast this guy you know in front of our audience and all this yeah. and oh, it's like man. as he was talking like and we were trying to throw jabs left to right and all this stuff and, but he's kind of a good great but guy but i i liked him yeah he's like, kind of a cool guy he's Plus, just trying to like make a living the yeah, guy yeah, you know yeah, what i mean and so sure, i started yeah. to feel like this is uh, yeah. this is gross and i don't like this and there's three of us gonna gang yeah, up we're all ganging up on him i'm like dude nah you know what i mean here yeah it was literally after so what Sal is talking about right now, we finally had, after that conversation with Harbinger, we all agreed, okay, that's it. 
zero fucks here on out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, We're going to so, be hardcore. Yeah. In fact, we should actually, in. and we actually, we all agreed on it so much that we said, okay, we should, let's challenge ourselves. Let's bring somebody. We know we disagree with whatever it is they're talking about or selling, and mm-hmm. then let's let's bring it. Gotcha. And so that, that was like the next thing that popped up in our, you know, opportunity to interview someone. This guy had reached out and we're like, yes. Let's tear this dude to new <laughs> asshole. Oh, you, so, you won't even see this coming. Yeah. And so he comes in. And he's, he was just a nice guy. Yeah. Fuck, I hate yeah. it when this happens. Yeah, oh. and, we, and we liked him, and he had yeah. a good story on the uh, how it came to be, yeah. and like you know, it made sense from his point of view. And mm. he didn't try and make any outlandish, really terrible claims. And we mm. were just kind of, and we all felt ourselves like, okay, now we're just feeling like we're a bunch of bullies. We don't yeah, want to be those totally. guys either. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I forgot all about that. Yeah, actually. yeah. It's you know, I'll tell you what. It's like you you learn this through uh, fitness. Is that mm-hmm. you, you know what, what's the number one of the number one rules in fitness? If you want to get good at something, you just do a lot of it and you do a lot of reps. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, you yeah, ain't gonna you, you're, if you're not good at squatting, practice squatting all the time. Yep. And if it, so, you you said this is you know we have f- over fourteen hundred episodes. Mm-hmm. That's by design. Yep. Yeah, we sure. literally are like let's we just pod, let's reps. do five podcasts a week uh, because yeah, yeah. that'll make us better faster. Gotcha. And and I I, I tell you what uh, I'd say every one hundred to two hundred episodes, two hundred I'd say we we level up, mm-hmm. we get better and better. And the last thing for us to kind of start to piece together was the interview, interviewing people. And now we're getting to the point where that's getting that, that we feel like we're pretty confident with that. And I still don't think we're at our, our absolute best with mm-hmm. that yet, but we're getting there. And it's just reps, just like we learned in fitness, just do yeah. enough of it and do enough of it. And you'll get better and better, but yeah, man. Early days, we were. <laughs> we that's were, that's everything, honestly. Yeah, yeah, everything, man. I got I got guys on here that listen that that want to hop on podcasts and do that, and they're super like. They're nervous about saying the wrong things and this and that. I'm like, listen, you guys got to be yourself, man. Dude, if you if you saw Mm -hmm. Phil, I'll tell you what. Here's a great here's a great thing for any entrepreneurs listening. Mm -hmm. If you know, I'm sure you see this too in in the gym. The guy who's afraid to throw a punch because he's not doing it right and wants to be perfect before he even throws a single punch. Mm -hmm. You see this a lot in in business. If you saw some of our original programs, okay, that we sold, okay. Uh, I mean, it, it, compared to the polish that, that we have now, yeah. it's like night and day. But we put them out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We knew the programming was good. We're not going to spend five years making it perfect. Let's put it out, see what the market says, yeah. fix it, yeah. put it together. Version I mean, one, better than version none. That's mm-hmm. right. And so that was, that's been our attitude. So, I mean, yes. if, you, if you're a Mind Pump listener and you're on episode 1400 mm-hmm. and you want to see a, a very different, like a, like a stark difference, yeah. mm-hmm. go back to episode, I don't know, 100, and you'll be like, holy shit, this is the same, you know, these are even the same guys. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. got to put it out there. You got to do it. You got to go. And you got to suck, and you got to be okay sucking, that's and that's the game, dude. That's that's totally the game. You got to be okay sucking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I got a shirt that says that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somebody gave it to me. Let's get those shirts made right now. <laughs> Mind pump. It's okay. That's yeah. okay to suck. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's yep. it. All right, guys, man. Honestly. I fucking appreciate you guys so much. Oh, thank you for letting me just take over a little bit. Yeah. Not too much because you guys are on another level, but I do appreciate it. Thank you, man. Always fun. Right. Yeah, no, yeah. appreciate you, brother. And uh, I'll be back soon. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Excellent. Right. Much love. Yeah. Much love. Thank you.